This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit, money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit, money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home, I've got an The Money Pit is presented by the Angie App. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast at floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you take on the projects you want to get done around your house. We hope that you guys are having a great summer. You're enjoying this beautiful weather. And maybe you're taking on some projects now that it is so nice out. You're trying to get stuff done inside and out. But if you've got a project that you'd like to get done and you don't know where to start, or maybe you're stuck in the middle, well, that's where we come in. We've been at this for a long time, over 20 years and we've done 2,300 episodes of The Money Fit. Actually, this episode, Leslie, is number 2333. Three, three. So many threes. A lot of threes. Yeah. But we would love to share some knowledge that we've picked up along the way and help you get your projects done. Help yourself first by reaching out to us. Two ways to do that. Best option is to go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. You'll get the fastest possible response. Or you can call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. Coming up in today's show, if you've got a concrete patio that's kind of beat up, well, there's no need to replace it. We're going to share a new way to give it years of life that's very easy to do. All right. And no one likes cleaning mold and mildew in a bathroom, but that job can be made a bit easier if the moisture from your shower or tubbin is vented. We're going to share tips for a mold-free bath. And when you look at the outside of your home, does the garage door rank as pretty much the most boring surface you see? Well, today, there are so many styles and colors and looks for garage doors to choose from, and replacing that door can be a very simple and affordable home improvement project. We'll have tips just ahead. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Heading out to Idaho, Gail's got an issue with some stains on some brick. What's going on over there? I have a question about removing mortar splash stains from exterior bricks and whether I could damage it by using maybe a metal brush on a drill so I don't have to scrub so hard with a regular brush. Now, anytime you get a stain on brick, it's really difficult to get it off because brick is so absorbative. Now, with this mortar splash that's gotten on there, I think what I would do first, because brick is also a bit soft, I would use a wire brush you would pick one up at a home center or hardware store. It's got a stiff wire bristle. And then I would try to use that wire brush to brush off and brush those areas where the stains are. And you've got to be careful because you don't want to damage the brick too much. If you scratch it a little bit, that's okay. Even if it looks a little lighter than the surrounding areas, eventually it'll sort of fade together. But that's probably the first step. And if you want to go deeper than that, you could pick up a wire brush attachment for a drill. And just like a drill bit, it goes into the chuck and it spins around. And you got to, it's a little bit 
uh, it, it's a little bit wily <laughs> to handle, right, Leslie? I mean, if you don't, if you don't it, have that on the right side, you. I think it bounce, sure. it'll handle you. <laughs> exactly. It'll handle you. It'll bounce right back in your face. But, but you know what? Oh, the other important thing though that you should know is that if you're going to use a wire brush attachment on a drill like that, please, please, please wear safety glasses because those wires can break off and fly off and we don't want you to get hurt. So that's the way I would approach this. It's a matter of, of, of levels of aggression using a wire brush. You don't want to go too heavy because you'll damage it, but that's probably the best way to get rid of that splash. And hopefully it's not too big of an area. Heading out to Arizona, Dan's on the line with a cracked tile. Tell us what's happening. Yes, hi. I have a home in Rimrock, Arizona, and it was built in 2006, and it has tile flooring, and it's created, I'm assuming the foundation is settled, and I'm really not sure what to do about this. I mean, I don't know if I should pull the grout. Yes, it has cracked tiles, and I can't get the tiles anymore. So anyway, I need to see what your suggestion would be. You know, I hate when we get these calls, Leslie, because when you have a tile floor and it wasn't installed right, which is probably what's going on here, you know, there's no quick fix, right? You either have to keep replacing tiles as they crack or you have to go ahead and tear the whole thing out and do it right. I suspect what's happening here is that the installer never used an uncoupling membrane. Now, that's a very specific type of like underlayment that goes between a concrete slab and the tile floor. And it allows the floor and the tile to move differently than each other. And this way, when you have expansion and contraction and movement, you don't, it doesn't result in the tile cracking. It just sort of moves with it. And you know, when you say move, you think, well, it's stationary, isn't it? But everything's moving. The house is always moving. The walls are moving in or out. They're moving up and down. It just happens so slowly and so evenly. You don't see it. But, you know, from wind pressure and the forces of nature, it's moving. And you got to account for that. And that's what an uncoupling membrane does. There's a product called DITRA, D-I-T-R-A, Dan, uh, which is the kind of product that I would recommend. You can check that out at schluter.com. It's S-C-H-L-U-E-T-E-R.com. They make a lot of products uh, for tiling underlayments, kind of the experts in that space. And that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. It's a special membrane that's designed to separate the movement of the tile from the subfloor below or the concrete slab below in your case. Uh, and I think once you're ready to replace that tile floor, that's kind of the next step. That's what you're going to have to do. So between now and then, you can just try to replace those that you can. And by the way, you mentioned you can't get that tile anymore. Uh, Leslie, I always think that when you can't find the tile, that you could drop in some decorative tiles and make it look like it was always designed to be that way, right? I mean, for sure. It depends on the size, the shape, the location of those tiles. You know, if there's something that you can grab, perhaps the tile from behind something, if delicately you can remove it and it would be well, then go for it. But otherwise, depending on where those tiles are, you can pop one out and then sort of look and kind of create a pattern based on what was broken and kind of work with that. You can add in something more decorative. You can add in something with a little bit of a different sheen. You can add in something that's a grouping of smaller tiles. So there's really a lot of great options to make it look like what happened was a design choice, you know? Right, yeah. And you know what always happens when you do this stuff like that? People come in, they notice, and they go, oh, I love the, the pattern in your tile floor. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I totally did it on purpose. Keep your mouth shut and just thank them very much for your amazing creativity. <laughs> Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. 
Plus, every spring, we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to AIRDOCTORPRO.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Ming in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Hi, I have a closet door that uh, it's supposed to, light's supposed to come on when I open the door. I have to jiggle that little button uh, and play with it for a while before I can get the light to come on. And sometimes it arcs. So you're turning this light switch on and you're getting an arc? That's really dangerous. That is an immediate fire hazard. So you need to have an electrician fix that right away. See, these switches can basically deteriorate internally. And if they're sparking like that, that's a big problem. Consider yourself lucky, but that should not be happening and it has to be immediately replaced. Okay. All right. I should not use that door. You should get that switch fixed. It should not be doing that. All right? That's your first thing, your first to do. Okay. Let's prevent a home fire, shall we? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you. Hey, you're tired of living in a money pit? Well, we're here to help. And if you want us to help out, it would be awesome if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. It's only going to take a minute, and it means the world to us. Dan in Rhode Island's on the line with some sort of leaky window issue. What's going on? I had an issue with the, uh, there was water leaking inside the top of my window. It was like a real rainy day. Okay. But I did notice that on the outside of the house where the gutters were uh, mounted to was rotting away. So it, there was pretty much a hole there. And it seemed like the water might have been getting in and then seeping into the house. So that's entirely possible. Just because you happen to see it come in the top of the window doesn't mean that's the source of it. It's most likely the flashing. Now, from your description, it sounds like you may have had an obstructed gutter that backed up and splashed water kind of behind it, rotted out the fascia that would have been attached to that possibly could have been a source for water infiltration, or that could just be coincidental, and there could be an issue with the flashing around the window. What kind of siding do you have on the house? It's actually a uh, it's a wood siding. I'm not sure the, the type of it, but it's not like a um, cedar shingle. It's something a lot older. The house was built in the 1960s. Okay, but it's some sort of a shingle? Yeah. Well, here's what I would do. I would fix the gutter and the fascia, right? That's an easy thing to do. And then I would monitor it and see if it still continues to happen. If it does continue to happen... Um, then what I would do is I would remove the siding around the top and sides of the window and just reflash the whole thing. It's kind of hard to do this sort of uh, in bits or pieces. You got to really do the whole thing or not do it at all. So that's the best way to approach it. Let's do the easy thing first to see the easy, see if that actually does it, which is that gutter replacement. And then if not, we can start to dig a little deeper into it until we get to the bottom of it. You know, if you do get that gutter uh, fixed. Or even if you don't, frankly, there's another thing you could try, and that is just go outside with a garden hose 
and don't blast it, but maybe like take, take, if you have a jet on the end of it, take that off, but just let the water roll over the window from the top, you know, go up about a foot or two above the window and wet the siding down as if it was just drenched in a big rainstorm and see if that lets water inside. That might also give you the clue that there could be a problem with the flashing uh, and not the gutter or an addition to the gutter. Okay. Yeah, now that you mentioned the flashing, maybe it does make sense because they actually have a, it looks like a piece of uh, vinyl, possibly, that is, um, it's like a U-shape. It catches the top of the replacement window and right. it goes from the inside over the top of the window and then to the outside. Sounds like what we call a J-channel. From the inside, it looks like the letter J, but then if you kind of go, if you look at it from the outside, the whole piece is right. probably like a U-shape. I would say that sits right on top. You might be talking about either the J-channel or a drip edge. But either way, those are all part of the flashing system, and if that window is leaking when you do your hose test, then you've got to sort of disassemble that and put it back together with good flashing all around, okay? All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, for most homes, a backyard patio is home base for all of your outdoor living activities. But if your patio is old or worn or just plain cracked, you don't have too many options to kind of spruce it up. Painting or staining usually doesn't make it look all that much better, and tearing out the old concrete and pouring a new patio is kind of messy, and it can be expensive. Well, now there's a much better way to do a patio makeover. You can renew an old patio or a sidewalk or really any other concrete surface with no demolition required when you use a type of paper called a Milano paver. It's made by Pavestone, and these pavers are just three centimeters thick, which is about an inch and a quarter. Now, from the surface, they look just like the usual full-thickness brick paver, but because they're installed on top of the old patio, they don't need to be. Yeah, it's a three-piece system, and it's installed in basic patterns directly over concrete that requires very little surface prep, and that makes this project super budget-friendly and really great for a DIYer to get done. Yeah, and all you really need to do is glue the outside a couple of rows of this to kind of support the edge, and then the rest of them you just basically stack on the patio uh, and that's it. You're pretty much done. They look fantastic, too. Check them out at pavestone.com, the Milano pavers. Great option. Now we've got Peg from Rhode Island on the line with a question about a fiberglass shower insert. Let me guess. The tiles are like pink or green or something really dated. Definitely green. Yes, lime green. <laughs> so right now I have a whole under the sea thing going on in there to try to accommodate that. <laughs> Holy moly. Well, you know, generally you're doing the right thing there when you try to decorate around the color scheme or make something right. of it. But I get it. That color can become tiresome rather quickly. So short of retiling your bath, there are a couple of things you can do. You do have the option to paint tile, which it never lasts, in my opinion. It's something that's sort of just a temporary placeholder until you can actually redo that bath. But there are shower inserts that sort of surround the existing tile and can create a whole new bath and shower surround in, you know, a day. Right. Actually, it's a fiberglass insert. It's not tile. It's a fiberglass insert that would need to be cut out. We actually did have one of those companies come out to put an insert but because it's a it's a fiberglass all one piece from probably seventy two or seventy three, the right. entire thing would have to be cut out. So mainly, want to find is that like refinishing spray worth the effort, or cut it out and get rid of it? So you're asking, can you reglaze, so to speak, the fiberglass uh, shower stall that you have right now? Or right, it, okay, right. You see these companies for these resurfacing 
right. phrase, whether right. or not it's something we, it's even worth doing, doing ourselves or hiring a professional mm-hmm. or get the soul and go to town. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, I think that you're probably not going to be totally happy with that because once that fiberglass surface starts to wear, Unless it's made in the factory like it was the first time, it's never going to be as nice as it used to be. Okay. It's a pretty okay. labor-intensive project as well. So I think if you do want to tear it out and do something else, you'd probably be better off doing that. I know it's a big okay. job. It's a complete restoration. But, you know, there's just uh, no shortcuts when you want to do something that's going to last you for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Right. I don't mind the green shower myself. It's <laughs> My husband minds it more than I do. With my beautiful tropical shower curtain, it looks great. White sink, white toilet. We're good, <laughs> I bet but, it's cute. you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like Leslie said, you can decorate around it, too. There's always an That's option. what we've done. That's definitely what we've done. All right, so that was the main thing. Was it worth it to refinish it? And probably not. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it is. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we've got Nicole from Connecticut on the line who's dealing with some noisy pipes. What is going on? Every time we flush the toilet and use a shower or wash a load of laundry, there's a well here and we hear loud banging in the basement where the well, you know, water comes in. 
through okay. the basement floor. There's two things I'm thinking that could be causing this. The, the first one is, is pretty straightforward. It's called water hammer. And water hammer occurs when some of those plumbing pipes in the basement are loose. If they're not well attached to the wood framing, you know, usually the ceiling joists in, in this example, then when you open up a faucet and then or close a faucet or flush a toilet, that water movement through the pipe suddenly stops, but sometimes the force continues to shake the pipe, and that is what we call the water hammer. And because they're metal pipes, they tend to transmit that sound quite effectively all over the house. You know, we get calls from folks that are that makes them so miserable because if somebody goes to the bathroom, you can hear it in the dining room during dinner you know, because yes. the pipes are making such a racket. <laughs> so water hammer is one possibility, but because you also have a well, it might also be that what you're hearing is the well pump go on and off. Now, it shouldn't go on and off every time you run the water if you have an expansion tank near it. So the expansion tank basically holds the water, and then you sort of feed off of this tank when you draw water, and it has to go down to a certain point before it refills with more water that gets served through the pipes. So I would just tell you to do a test. Have mom... Uh, or you stand in one location, the other person near the well, and then run some faucets and turn them on and off and so on, and see if it is that the well is going on every time it draws water, because that's not supposed to happen. That's a lot of wear and tear on the well pump. It's a lot of expense in terms of energy, and if you had the right type of tank in there next to it, that could stop that from happening. If it's not the case, then it's most definitely going to be water hammer. And again, you can secure those pipes to the underside of the floor joist structure. There's hangers for that. Um, or in the worst case scenario, there's also a plumbing component called a water hammer arrester, which you could think of as a shock absorber. And it goes on the end of some of those water pipelines and basically takes some of that excessive pressure and settles it down so it doesn't shake the pipe as much. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for all your help. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thank you. Have a great day. Heading up to Texas, we've got Mike on the line with a siding question. What is going on at your place? I have a, an older garage that's in my backyard, uh, and it has vinyl siding on it. And the uh, siding that's on the underskirt are, are under the side panels of the roof and everything is starting to uh, deteriorate, fall apart. And I have found out I can't get uh, replacement in that color or anything else like that that's going to match up. And so my question was, I was going to go and use hardy plank uh, and uh, hardy plank plywood to put underneath there uh, so it would be something that's not going to rust or, you know, rot or anything else over time. And uh, is that something y'all would say would be okay? I've seen houses with it on there, uh, but my uh, my sides are 26 inches out. My back is 30 inches out, and then I have uh, four feet off the front uh, as part of the roof. It's four feet over of, of the eave there. Uh, and is that, you think that's too much of an area to cover, or would I be better going a different direction? Okay, so first of all, I, you're calling the siding, but I think what you're talking about is the soffits, right? The underside of the roof overhang. Yes, is that correct? All right. Yes, sir. So, hardy planks are great material. So I have no issues with that, assuming you can find the pieces that you need to make this work. 
What I'm concerned about is that, especially being in Texas, do you have ventilation in that soffit area now? Yeah, all the vinyl siding that's there has little holes. Right. So you can't cover that. You need to have a ventilation. And so to do that with hardy plank, it's kind of like doing this the hard way, frankly, because you would have to you know, cut vents into the hardy plank, and it's not the easiest thing to cut, even though it lasts forever. I mean, if it was me... I would definitely use hardy plank as siding, but for the soffits, I would simply replace that with new soffit material. That would be the easiest because you probably already have the fascia and the J-channel in place, and you can probably buy vinyl panels and cut them to fit and get them in there. And you say you can't find the exact color. Well, you could use a complementary color. I mean, certainly white goes with everything. Yes, sir. Or you could... If you really wanted to paint them, you could buy those panels. They come, they're about, usually about 10 feet long. Then you could spray paint them any color you want and then cut them to fit and put them in uh, where the old uh, panels are sort of falling apart. Oh, okay. So I, I don't think I would do this with high, with Hardy Prank only because it's really not meant for that particular application. And it's really critical you have that ventilation because if you don't, your roof and your attic space are not going to be properly vented, and they're going to overheat, and that's going to drive up your cooling costs, and it could also shorten your roof life. I appreciate that. Thank you all very much. Well, nobody likes cleaning mold and mildew in the bathroom, but that job can be a lot easier if you control the moisture that you get from when you shower or when you bathe. you got to make sure that it's properly vented out. All too often, though, this really isn't the case. Now, get this. Building codes don't even require a bath vent fan. If they say, if your bathroom's got a window, that's it. I mean, that's kind of silly because unless you're opening that window and you happen to have a chilly breeze in the middle of winter and it's moving the air around, it's still not really doing the same job as a vent fan. But window or not, a properly sized and installed bathroom fan is the best way that you can make sure that moisture won't build up and then it's going to prevent the mold. Yeah. So first you want to make sure the fan is the right size. Bath fans are rated by CFM. That's cubic feet per minute. And it's based on how much air they'll actually move. Now the rule of thumb for sizing a bath fan is that you need one CFM for every square foot of floor space. So if your bath is 80 square feet, you need an 80 CFM fan. Now if the bath has high ceilings, that's going to change a bit. But for the most part, it's just one CFM per square foot. Also, it's important the fan is vented outside through the exterior wall or the roof. It should not be vented into an attic or into the attic soffits or even up to and against an attic vent. We want it to go through in its own vent and right to the exterior. If you don't do this, you're going to be dumping a lot of moisture into that attic space. That can cause rot, it can cause mold, and it can definitely make your insulation not work very well because when the insulation is damp, it just doesn't insulate. And lastly, it helps if you have the bath exhaust on a timer that can be set to run for at least 10 minutes after you leave the bathroom. That way, any residual moisture is exhausted out before it can condense on the surfaces of the walls and the ceiling and fuel that next round of mold buildup. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, now we've got Belinda who wants to talk electricity. What kind of electrical work are you doing over there? 
I live in a house that was built in 1971, so um, there were no GFI outlets then, and little by little, you know, I've been adding them. So my question is, um, I, I have a couple more, you know, that I want in bathrooms and all. When a GFI outlet is added, does it need its own circuit breaker, or is it okay if they splice it into an existing wire? No, it does not need its own circuit breaker. In fact, the ground fault breaker is is a circuit breaker. Now, there's two types of, of GFCI devices that are most common. One's built into the outlet, and the other one actually is a circuit breaker with a ground fault um, circuitry built into it. With an older house, typically you're just going to replace the outlet with one that is a, a GFCI outlet, and an electrician that knows what they're doing uh, should be able to handle that. I always suggest that you, you test it yourself by using the test button, and, and if possible, uh, there's a little um, electrical tester that's in the shape of a plug that tells you a lot of information. All you do is stick this thing in, and it has lights on it, and the lights will tell you uh, if it's grounded. It'll tell you if the polarity is reversed, which means the, the wires have been put in backwards. And it'll also enable you to test the ground fault uh, outside of the breaker itself, So, which is a better test. It's kind of like what happens if you, if you have a bad appliance plugged into it. So uh, it's definitely something that can be done after the fact, and you don't have to do it at uh, the breaker itself. Oh, okay. So, so it doesn't need its own dedicated line down to the circuit breaker. Um, to, okay. And and this tester you're saying is something I should buy to have in my own toolbox in my yeah, in my house. Yeah, it's called an outlet tester. Yeah, they're they're like I don't know, ten bucks. They're really cheap. It looks like a, a small plug, you know, three prong plug, and you just plug it in. You'll see there's lights on it and a little push button. And when you read the instructions, you'll see it'll tell you if everything's wired right. And then the way to test my GFI outlet that I have, you just press that red button. Yeah, it should click off, right, and be and, and be dead, basically. Thank you. Well, without looking, guys, can you describe the style of your garage door? Wait, what? Your garage door doesn't have a style? It's just a garage door? <laughs> well, then it might actually be time for a new one. If your garage door is plain, white, paneled, boring... You seriously are missing out on a great opportunity to bring some super major curb appeal right to your home. You know, your garage is a big part of what people see when they take in your home's front facade. And sometimes, I mean, depending on the architectural style of your home, that garage door can be up to like 60% of what they see. Now, you can totally transform the look of your house simply by replacing that garage door. There are many, many options to consider from a carriage house style to a barn door look, and even to ones with sleek modern lines. Plus, garage doors are not only steel today. You can find fiberglass options that are also a fantastic choice because they can look like wood but without any of those maintenance hassles. And if you live in an area that's prone to storms, you can get garage doors that are highly storm-resistant, highly wind-resistant, and can really stand up to that level of wind because that's super important when the garage door blows in the house sort of blows up, blows out. That's why you see all the broken glass on the outside because the house fills with air and poof. That's what causes a major amount of damage. So lots of options today. If you're ready for a garage door, you need to take all of them in and make the best decision for your home. Matt in Ohio is dealing with some multiple issues going on related to caulk. What is happening? Uh, we had our house built about six years ago. The uh, stand-up shower in the master bath is molding around the bottom. I have cleaned the mold off. I've scraped it all off. I've uh, recalked it, and the mold keeps coming back. I had a guy come out. He told me to get this kind of caulk 
paid him to and helped him to clean all the caulk off, recaulked it, and now it's back again. Not sure what to do about it. Uh, also have a swelling wall on the on the outside wall across from that stand-up shower, and the caulking keeps cracking as the wall separates from the bathtub and the counter uh, the countertop. The vanity is connected to the outside wall. Wow, Matt, you've got a lot going on there, man. So. First of all, if you've had this repetitive problem with mold over and over again in the bathroom, I suspect that the solution, if not the entire solution, but a good part of it, is to take a look at your bathroom ventilation. Because we find that bathrooms that are not properly ventilated, they're not well ventilated, those damp, wet conditions persist after shower taking and lead to an enormous amount of mold growth. So, we want to make sure that you have a good bath fan that is running in that space, and we recommend that it be tied to a humidistat, which is a moisture-sensing switch, so that whenever the humidity is high in the bathroom, the fan will run and pull it out until it's dry. And in doing so, you will find a lot less mold growth. In terms of selecting a product, there are different caulks that are out there, obviously designed for kitchens and baths that have mildicides in them. Uh, one additive that has been successful in my applications over the years is microband. So if you see a caulk that has a microband additive, and I believe the DAP products do, I found that to be very effective. And in terms of the, the caulk between the, the, uh, the vanity in the bathroom and the wall, so typically that could be a big gap, and it, you know, it's not designed, the caulk's not designed to take up those big gaps. So what you want to do is you want to get uh, some foam bead which is sort of like a, it's called a backer rod, and it comes in different diameters, and basically it's like a long foam tube that you shove down between the top and the wall. You put it so it's about a half inch or a quarter inch below the vanity backsplash, and then you caulk on top of that between the vanity and the wall, and then that will support the bottom of that caulk, and it will be much less likely to, to crack and pull away. So those are the steps that I would follow but again, get that bath vented properly. I think you'll be amazed at uh, how fewer cases of mold growth you have as a result. Reach out to Team Money Pit like Jack did, who writes, We don't have a closet in our bedroom, and I want to build one, but I'm not sure how large it should be. Are there any rules of thumb for closet size? Uh, I think it's a balancing act, right? I mean, in older homes, it's not unusual to come across bedrooms without closets. The other option is to use an armoire which has been used in past eras to store clothes and accessories. And, you know, it's a trend that's somewhat on the rise, along with customizable wardrobes. But even in houses with added wardrobes and armoires, though, closets are never a bad idea, especially from a resale standpoint. But you've got to consider size. I mean, while I've never heard anyone complain about a closet that's too big, you know, <laughs> closets are going to add value to your home, but not if they reduce the bedroom and the space that's left to the size of a postage stamp. So there's always a trade-off, right? That is true. All right. Now we've got a question from Charles who writes, our master bathroom's window has a crank attached to the window frame. The window's in good shape and the frame is too. My situation is that the crank doesn't operate the window to open or close anymore. It almost feels like it's stripped. Is this something I can fix myself? This happens all the time, I feel like, with these windows. It does. And this is how they wear out. Now, that crank, you have to look on the side of it to see if there's a screw that's sort of flush with the surface of the crank that may have loosened up because that's often how it's attached to the window gear, which is underneath it. But if it is, in fact, stripped, then unfortunately, you're in a situation where you're going to have to replace that window. You could try, if you know the manufacturer, you could try to see if the part is still available. But 
in worst case scenario, you're going to have to replace that. I did both, Leslie. I actually replaced the cranks on a window in my office because it was an Anderson window and I was able to identify exactly which window it was and get the replacement parts. But we had kitchen windows where we couldn't do that and we had to actually replace them. And sometimes it's just such a simple fix like this that can extend the life of the window. So it's definitely worth looking into. Well, if you're only using your microwave to heat up leftovers, you may be missing out on some other very handy uses. Leslie has some great microwave hacks in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, I mean, it really is a great way to heat up leftovers and soups and teas, but you can do so much more with your microwave. I mean, first of all, if you've got a sponge in the kitchen that's a little stinky, you can soak that sponge in water and vinegar and zap it for a minute. And you can do the same with a cutting board. If you rub a little lemon on it, heat it for a minute, I mean, you're saying goodbye to all of the germs that have been sitting on there. Now, here's some other fun tips. You can remove labels and stickers from bottles. I mean, it's a great way to just take it off without all of the extra elbow grease. You heat them in the microwave for about 30 seconds. The heat loosens the adhesive, and it makes it way easier to peel that label off. If you've got sore muscles from all of your home improvement projects, you can fill a microwave-safe sock or cloth bag with rice or flaxseed and then microwave it for a minute or two, and that really creates a lovely warm compress that can be used for soothing muscles and your aches and keeping your hands warm. Add some lavender, and it's lovely for your neck if you're trying to take a nap. Dry herbs or flowers can be done quickly if you place them between paper towels and microwave them in short bursts of 20 to 30 seconds. You don't want to do it too much at once because it might over-dry them. So do them in short bursts until they're dry and crisp. That's a great way to dry those herbs and flowers. And lastly, if you've got a candle holder and you love the container, but there's a little bit of wax left in there or some residue on it, You can put that in the microwave for a minute or two and then just wipe away the extra wax. I mean, so many great things you can do in addition to just having pizza rolls. And you can do that, too. (laughs) Yeah, you can have pizza rolls while you do the other stuff. There you go. Coming up on the next edition of The Money Pit, if your garden is looking like it's had too much sun, one of the best ways to beat the heat is to make sure your plants are well irrigated. And you can do that with micro-irrigation, a system of drip tubing and tiny sprayers that delivers water right where you need it. We'll tell you how that works on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 